Well, good morning. Good morning. Good seeing you. You may be seated. You're turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. It's great worship this morning, great drama. Would you give all of them a hand? Let them know how much you appreciate them ministering to us today. It's great being with you and your amazing pastoral team. We're so excited for Pastor Jeff and Cindy. And we know they're suffering, you know, down in that place toward the equator down there. You know, just down where some warmth and some would be away from all these chilly temperatures and, and, uh, and our climate in which that we have. But hey, it's great being with you this morning. It's an honor to be back here with you uh, at Turning Point. Here's so many amazing things of what the Lord is continuing to do. And I'm honored to be with you today. Uh, happens to be one of my favorite times of the year. I love this festive Christmas season and all that it represents. I am the Christmas junkie. I am the Christmas fanatic of our neighborhood. I love the lights. I love the food. I love the music. I love all the experience. I like what one, one kid said when he, he said, wow, Christmas is just really neat. What other time out of the year do we get to sit around in our living room and watch a dead tree and eat candy out of our socks? Yeah, it's an interesting time, isn't it, right? But you know what? For a few moments this morning, we're going to look to uh, Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to share with you for a few moments, um, through hopefully uh, through the lens of Scripture, and hopefully that we'll just be able to recapture uh, some moments of that first Christmas. Unfortunately, with all the years that have passed, uh, we live in a very commercialized sense of Christmas. And I think that due to, to the commercialized and this sense, we, we, we've, we've almost made it artificial in a sense. And my prayer for a few moments uh, as we look into God's word this morning with you would be is that we recapture the awe, uh, the wonder, the majesty of that first Christmas. And all that it represents, um, I pray that the Lord would give us fresh eyes. I, I agree with the writer who said that the real voyage of the discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but it's in having new eyes. So it's my hope that with new eyes, fresh eyes, we'll see the nativity this morning in a fresh new way. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, if you'll open your Bibles, and some of you may have... Uh, you may have your Bible on your phone, or I know that they'll have it on the screen as well, but we're going to look to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There's an angelic visitation on the hillsides to some shepherds, and that's where that we're going to pick up in the story of the first Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Could we pray for a few moments? Lord, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to, to look into your word. I pray that uh, in these next few moments, Lord, that we will discover in you the Christ of Christmas, the peace of Christmas, the message of hope 
the reality that God really did come to his creation and walk among humanity and offer redemption and hope. I pray, Lord, that we see with fresh eyes the nativity and the message of that first Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Would you tell the person beside you that they look amazing? They just look astonishing this morning. Would you do that? Just ask them, how did you end up looking that good? Well, I believe that the first Christmas was miraculous. And I believe in Luke 2, verse 10, it somewhat captures this understanding of the miracles and the miraculous moment of that first Christmas. Luke 2, he says, Today in a town, a, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This is, this is a miraculous moment. Mark Batterson says that we can live as if nothing is a miracle or we can live as if everything is. And truly within this story and in the context of this passage is a miraculous moment. In the synoptics of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we know that these are the synoptics because often they would repeat their stories. We know that they give some of the greatest descriptions of that first Christmas. Uh, Matthew, if you look to Matthew, he was writing basically to the Jewish mind and he wanted to prove that Christ was actually the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Messiah of the Old Testament. And Matthew actually gives the, the genealogy of Jesus. He talks about the angelic visitation. Matthew, when Matthew writes in the synoptics, Matthew wants to make sure that you and that the readers, the Jewish mind, that they knew Jesus was Jewish. And then you move on to Mark. Mark doesn't give as many of the descriptions of the moments of that first Christmas. Actually, Mark gives very little description of the actual events. Mark, the writer of Mark in the New Testament, he's writing to the Roman minds about the activity of Jesus. He wants to show that Jesus is doing good and that he has power that is demonstrated on this earth. And then you move to Luke. He's the author that penned the text that we're reading today. And Luke was very descriptive. Luke was a doctor. He was a scientist. So therefore, Luke gives specific descriptive details of the first Christmas. He talks about Zechariah and Elizabeth. He talks about the Magi surrounding the birth of Christ. He talks about other moments that are associated with the birth of Christ. The wise men, the shepherds. He talks about the angelic visitation to Mary. Luke is one of the most uh, vivid descriptions of the first Christmas. But if you look to the book of John, he goes in a completely opposite direction than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John introduces the first Christmas in a very profound way. John initiates just how miraculous Jesus coming to earth really was, and he starts in John 1, verse 1 through 2. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the 
beginning. So John moves beyond shepherds and he moves beyond mangers and he starts in the beginning. What beginning? Not the beginning of the creation of the heavens and the earth. John moves way beyond the creation of heaven and earth. John moves into the beginning, the moments of eternity. And this is where John introduces to you and I, Jesus, and this Jesus that will come to earth. Why was John's approach so differently than Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Because John wanted you and I to know that if we want to know what God is like, we must look to Jesus. That's what John wanted us to know. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Because Jesus was the Word. Amen? What's this mean? Well, when I have a thought that I want to express, or I have something in my heart that I feel, I express it through words. So Jesus coming to this planet the first Christmas, Jesus was actually expressing the thoughts and the heart of God for his creation. This, this is an incredible, miraculous moment. Christmas reminds us that the God that we are celebrating today loves us unconditionally, and he meets you and I where we are in our humanity. Can someone say amen? The God that we see through scripture, through the life of Jesus, he met people in their brokenness, and he met them where they were in their lostness. If anything, the Christmas season offers hope. Why is that? Because the first Christmas demonstrated that God was saying, you don't have to come up to me. I'm going to come down to you where you are. Because we were not able to go to where he was. The first Christmas is miraculous because it destroys the lie that you and I have to fix ourselves up and modify our behavior before we can talk to God. No, a thousand times no according to God's word. God meets you and I where we are and through that encounter, then he initiates change in our hearts and in our lives and then our behavior changes. Can someone say amen? That's because we couldn't get to him. He came to where we are and he accomplished what we could not do in the flesh. How many would agree with me that we all needed a savior? Today, we still need a savior. A little boy was riding to Santa and he said, dear Santa, there's three little boys that live in our house. There's Jeffrey, he's two. David, he's four, and Norman, he's seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is not good much of the time. But Norman is good all the time. I'm Norman. (laughs) The problem is none of us are Normans. Amen? None of us are good all the time. We all needed a savior that could come and accomplish and repair and restore and redeem what we were not able to do for ourselves. That's why the first Christmas is so miraculous. And notice that John doesn't even mention the virgin birth, but yet he does. 
He doesn't, but he does. Because in John 1, 3, he says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now watch John talking about here. John is saying that Jesus was part of the creation process. Why is the message of Christmas so miraculous? Because according to John 1, Jesus visits the world he made. He takes up on flesh and bone. And he wraps himself in a body. To do what? Reveal the Father. To take on our sins. To become our sacrifice. To appease an atonement that we could not appease. This is what has been accomplished. Another reason for Jesus coming to the earth in which that he made and coming to his creation was Jesus wanted to experience everything that you and I experience. That means during this Christmas season, if you're struggling this morning, he can identify with your struggle. Are you hurting this Christmas? Jesus knows what it feels like to hurt. Do you feel lonely this Christmas? Jesus knows what it feels like to be lonely. Do you feel betrayed this Christmas? Jesus knows what it's like to feel betrayed. I'm broken because I've lost a loved one this year. Jesus knows what it's like to lose loved ones. Whatever you're navigating through on this planet, one of the reasons that Jesus came was because Jesus wanted to identify with what we walk through so that when we navigate through those things, he can identify with our struggle. This Christmas, God is not some cosmic distant phenomena he is a compassionate god with arms stretched towards you and i ready to love you and i this christmas christmas is miraculous in the next few weeks for a 24 hour period everything is going to all of the eyes are going to be upon that moment because it is miraculous it is so miraculous that god split history between ad and bc because of this moment It is a miraculous experience and it's miraculous because of the work of what God was going to accomplish through his son. The reason that first Christmas is so miraculous is because it establishes this truth. And I want to say this to you, that no matter what you're experiencing today, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how broken you may be, In this Christmas season, God loves you. Can I reiterate this this morning? I want to reiterate this truth. God loves you. And he reaches to you with compassionate arms to help you in this Christmas season. He meets you where you are. Where you are. The first Christmas was not only miraculous, but the first Christmas was messy. Isn't that what Luke teaches us as well, Luke 2? That this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Wait a minute, I thought we were talking about the Messiah. I thought we were talking about a Savior. I thought we were talking about a miraculous work of God. A Savior coming to this planet who is the Messiah, our Lord. That is miraculous. 
But in this passage, we're talking about a baby. And we're talking about a manger. That doesn't seem to be so much miraculous. That seems to be almost more messy, so to speak. Have we lost touch in this Christmas season with the humanity of the story? Have we unintentionally lost touch because Christmas has become so artificial, so commercialized that in one sense, when we see or when we look into the moments of the first Christmas in Scripture, listen, folks, we have to move beyond the Christmas card pictures. We have to move beyond the, 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 the movies and the stories that have so plagued our commercialized moments of Christmas. Now think about this for a moment. Do you really think in those last few moments before Jesus is getting ready to take his first breath on this side of heaven that Joseph turns and looks at the shepherds and says, hey guys, smile, because one day they're going to put us on Christmas cards. Do we think that's what's happening in that moment? No, in that moment, it was miraculous. But it was also messy. I love what Ralph Waldo Emerson says. He says, the invariable mark of wisdom is to see the miraculous in the common. I love that. The invariable mark of wisdom is to see the miraculous in the common. We can't lose touch with the humanity of what happens in the first Christmas. And therein lies the challenge. We have the wonder and the majesty of God in that first Christmas, but yet we don't want to lose the touch with humanity as, as well. Was it miraculous? Yes. But was it messy? Yes. And if we're not careful, what happens is we almost have this romanticized view of Christmas. But I want you to think about this for a few moments. Let's just travel back together for a few moments. There is a young teenage girl who is unaware of how the events of that moment are going to forever change her life totally for, revolutionize her life. Mary has a visitation of an archangel who announces to her the birth of God's son. Now think about this. Up to this point, they had never thought about this. There had never been a person that had understood this kind of idea. How would the Messiah get here? Would, would he arrive? Certainly he will. There's prophecies the Old Testament teaches us of the messianic prophecies that he is to come. Will that promise be fulfilled? Surely God will fulfill his promise. A virgin birth? Listen, this, this, this was not a part so much of Judaic thought. This, this is nothing that had simply been expressed. This was the first time that they were embracing these realities. Mary is saying, I'm, I'm going to conceive with child, but I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? The angelic message was it's going to happen through the supernatural intervention and work of the Holy Spirit in your life. God not only causes the child, 
Then he names the child. This is, this is a powerful moment. This, this is a miraculous moment, but yet you can't overlook the humanity in this moment. I want you to think of the overwhelming emotions that she's experiencing. She's had this angelic visitation. She's now going to birth the Son of God. But you know what's problematic about this story? And we never talk about this when we read this or when we listen to Charlie Brown and the story tell it. We don't stop and pay attention to this. But Luke one thirty eight says, once the angelic visitation took place and had given the message to Mary, the angel then departed. How many moments in your spiritual walk with God do you encounter miraculous moments where the presence and power of God encounter you, challenge you, speak to you, deposit hope, but then you have to step out of those moments. And you have to walk back in the real world. Luke one thirty eight says, the angel departed her. Now, if I'm in this story and the angel visits me, I'm going to say, no, no, no. You're going to come talk to my parents with me. Right? But it didn't happen that way. The Bible says that the angel departed. See, after Mary hears this announcement, we, we don't pay much attention to this, but she's got to walk this out. She, she, she has to tell her parents. She had to continue to live real life. She has to tell the story that I'm pregnant. I'm not married yet. I'm pregnant and it's God's child. Now, how do you process that as a parent? But yet when we read the story, it's so majestical, it's so miraculous, it's so marvelous with all the Christmas songs and all the lights and the Christmas cards and the foods that we do today. We want Mary to glow in the dark. Mary's not glowing in the dark. Mary is a young Teenage girl whose world has just been turned upside down because she's going to be part of God's plan to bring his message on this planet and it's going to disrupt her world dramatically. I wonder how many of us are willing to let the message of Christ disrupt our plans in this Christmas season in order to get his message to those that we are around. You think sometimes those inconveniences might not necessarily be so much from the enemy, they might be from the Lord? Was it miraculous? Yes. But was it messy? Yes. And then the Bible indicates that that another angelic message from the text that we read today comes to the shepherds, not, not governmental officials. Not the upper class of society. Shepherds. Do you realize that according in, 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 in understanding history of God's word, that in the story, in the Christmas story, for the message to go to the shepherds to share this would have been one of the most unpredictable paths for God to take the message and the declaration. Shepherds during this time were considered social outcasts. They were not lining up 
to have their pictures taken to be on Christmas cards. They were social outcasts. They were looked at as nobodies. Shepherds were rarely allowed in the temple to worship. Many of the cities of this day would not even allow shepherds to enter in through the city gates. They were despised. But once again, God's miraculous plan is to go through messy means and bring it through unpredictable people and he gives them this angelic message of this good news. And I want you to pay attention to this in Luke 2.15. It happens again. The angel departed them. So what's this sound like? You got a group of guys that everybody looks down on, no one trusts, they're despised, they're considered outcasts, and all of a sudden they start showing up in the neighborhood saying, hey guys, we saw some angels tonight on a hillside, we heard there's going to be a baby that's going to be born in a cattle stall and he's going to change the world. Those folks are going to think, what have you been taking? But this is the reality of what's happening in those moments. Have there been moments where you have experienced incredible moments and deep encounters with God? But then those moments ceased and you had to get up and you had to walk that out in real life. Listen, that's the hope of the first Christmas. It was miraculous. But yet... It was messy. In our temporal realm, we tend to take everything that doesn't seem neat and put together, and we take it and we want to clean it up and we want to make it somewhat artificial because we're more comfortable. We connect with something that has the right outcome and Everything looks the way that it should. We want everything to be cleaned up. We want everything, we want everyone to be smiling. We want everything to seem like that it's together and there's a purpose behind all of this. But listen, many of these characters are the first Christmas. They were simply walking this out as it was unfolding. They did not have the privilege to read this book and know what the outcome was going to be. They were walking it out in the moment. And I know, I know because of the movies we've watched and the stories we've read and the pageants that we've watched, what we really want when we think about the first Christmas is we want it to be clean. We want it to be neat. We want everybody to be singing and we want the animals to be getting along and the shepherd's beards were trimmed and Mary just had a manicure and Joseph just left H&M with a new sport coat and man, it's just this. Now this is the first real Christmas. This is what it looks like and it smells like a department store. Hello? But can I tell you on the first Christmas, there were no doctors, no nurses, no monitors, no pain medication, no anesthesia. No, Mary was not lying in the barn watching Daystar or TBN. Are you with me? This was real life. 
Real pain. This was miraculous. But the humanity tells us that, look, something else was going on. You had parents that were hurt, deeply wounded at a teenage girl whose life had been disrupted. You had a fiancé that was very much disturbed. You had Herod who was in a fit of rage. You had a trip to Bethlehem that was unplanned. You had a taxation that was upon people. It seems to me that the first Christmas was a little more messier than it was manageable. Is that how your Christmas feels this season? A little unpredictable? A little unmanageable? Things that you wish you could get this right and I wish I could get this relationship as it needed to be and I wish this in my marriage would be here and I wish this with my children would be here and this with my health would be and I could get this fixed and this fixed and man, we could just get this. But yet, that's not what's happening. But none of that cancels out the miraculous miracle of the work of God in your life this Christmas season. Because I'm here to tell you that in that moment... And in that moment of that first Christmas, in the natural, in the natural, all they heard were animals. But in the spirit, there was angelic voices. In the natural, there's just a little candle by that manger. But in the spirit, it's the glow of God. In the natural, they smelt the stench of animals. But in the spirit, they smelt frankincense and myrrh because it's the king of kings and it's the lord of lords in the natural they think they're just touching a little baby but in the spirit they're touching the son of the living god in the natural they think it's the voice of a baby crying But in the spirit, it's the voice that will calm the wind and the waves and the sea and the emotions of men and women. In the natural, they think it's a baby that's going to grow up to be like his daddy and just be a good carpenter. But in the spirit, he'll build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail. In the natural... Was it miraculous? Yes. But was it messy? Yes. Is that not a picture of our world? Is that not the Christ? Is this not the world that Christ said, I'm going to invade your world? See, that's the danger of always wanting a predictable Jesus. Because when he's predictable, and you try to manage your experience, you lose the awe and the wonder and the majesty. As A.W. Tozer said, we end up with a God who can never surprise us, never overwhelm us, never astonish us, and never transcend us. So here we are, 2,000 years later, as they come to the music. Years have passed and you and I now join the story with the characters of that first Christmas. And we now know what it's like to walk out the miraculous moments in the messy and yet sometimes mundane activity of everyday life. And if the truth is known this Christmas season,
our lives are less manageable than necessarily they are miraculous. Because we live in between the tension of heaven and humanity. Pain and promise. And as Dallas Willard said best, deity and dust. And we live in the tension. Was the first Christmas miraculous? Yes. (laughs) But was it messy? Yes. A thousand times over. Is that not a picture of our lives? Has Jesus saved me? Yes. Is it a miracle? Yes. But is the miracle of God growing in my life, do I still have struggle and pain? And the answer again is yes. As I let the unfolding plan of God work in my life to bring His plan and His purpose on this planet. Let's bow our heads and pray.